Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Really glad you're with us for the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Also really glad that Alexander DeSanctis Mar is in for Jim Garrity today. Jim is on vacation, of course. And, you know, you ever go to the theater and they say the role of so-and-so normally played by this person is played by this other person? Well, it's not only with the Three Martini Lunch, it's with the Morning Jolt this week. So, uh, Alexandra, uh, thank you for filling in for Jim in a multitude of ways this week. Great to be joining you, Greg. All right, so let's start with our good martini. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday on the Three Martini Lunch. uh, And that is Biden's big spending ways. Yesterday we talked about how he's trying to cram possibly amnesty into his $3.5 trillion spending bill. But yesterday on the Senate floor, uh, there was the vote to open debate on the quote-unquote infrastructure bill. And as we've joked over the past few months, infrastructure to Democrats means a lot more things than what you and I would probably consider infrastructure, Alexandra. But the good news is, is that they didn't get to the 60 votes. Uh, that's good for a number of reasons, not only because of a lot of the the excess garbage that uh, would be in this bill, if we actually had a bill, that's another problem. We don't even have a concrete bill at this point. But uh, the Democrats have made it pretty clear that they want to get a bipartisan infrastructure bill so then they can ram through the three and a half trillion dollar bill without any Republican support if necessary. So uh, talk about the significance of what we saw yesterday with Republicans refusing to advance. Yeah, I mean, I think it's not terribly surprising that we saw this ever since over the weekend. Chuck Schumer said he was planning to schedule the vote for this week. Basically, every Republican on the you know the bipartisan working group working on infrastructure said, hey, actually, we don't have a bill, so we're not going to vote yes to proceed to debate um, on a bill that doesn't exist yet because we're still haggling over this list of about two dozen things we can't agree on, to which Chuck Schumer said, well, we can just you know go to debate and then you can have some more time to keep working on it, to which they said, debate over what? There's no bill. <laughs> um, so the fact that they you know all voted no, I think is a good sign. It shows they're not totally willing to be pushed around. Personally, I think they've seen quite enough to say, you know, maybe it's time to walk. Democrats are just kind of looking for this bipartisan feather in their cap so they can go off and do whatever they want through reconciliation, try to ram through all sorts of other spending. They're not going to get through infrastructure. And we've already seen more liberal Democrats who aren't working on the bill, um, you know, start to grumble about it and say, well, you know, we're not, they're cutting all sorts of things we want. We're just going to have to raise the uh, the tag on our own, you know, 3.5 trillion spending bill. So the idea that, you know, Republicans are totally getting suckered into helping them on this, I think, um, and, and should have walked a long time ago. But that being said, um, it was good to see the vote fail. You know, when the political opponent is being really, really dumb, you appreciate it, but you still have to kind of sit there and marvel. How can you be this dumb? Because uh, as we've also talked about, it was just a few weeks ago where they literally had the uh, people behind the bipartisan framework of the bill. As you just mentioned, they're still quite a ways off from actually having an actual bill to vote on. But then the very same day, Biden says, I don't know, we're not doing that unless we also uh, can get everything else I want through reconciliation. Pelosi has said the same thing. Normally, if you're a uh, hardball political player, you would kind of wait till the bipartisan deal was done before springing that little trap. But uh, (laughs) they're not bright enough to, to just sit on their powder. And so now they've given up the game and there's no reason for the Republicans to play ball in the Senate. I mean, that's how how I think, too. And I'm a little bit surprised. You know, I thought at that point when that came out, uh, when when Biden said, you know, we're going to just get everything we want in the other bill anyway. So go ahead and compromise, basically. And, um, you know, I won't sign it unless we're putting everything else I want in the other bill. 
um, you had Lindsey Graham come out and say, okay, I'm not playing ball anymore. And, and a couple of Republicans kind of signaled they were backing off the compromise and it looked like it was going to fall apart for a bit. And then suddenly everyone just kind of went back to the table and kept negotiating. And, you know, Biden kind of tried to walk back his comment and said, oh, no, what I meant was we can just try to do this other one later, too. But we don't have to, you know, try to massage away what he had said. And Republicans just kind of shrugged and said, OK, we'll keep negotiating um, as if it hadn't happened, which just astounds me. Right. When the other side has told you, please help us look like we're being bipartisan so then we can go and get everything else we want by ourselves and leave you in the dust. Right. Why do you show up at the table again and keep working? I just don't get it. Yes, that's the old uh, fool me once, uh, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me thing. Uh, or George W. Bush had a different way of saying that back in the day, but uh, <laughs> that's that's another story. Uh, but um, it's just amazing to watch. Uh, last question on this topic, Alexandra. Uh, the parliamentarian has pretty much set the reconciliation parameters for the current fiscal year, which ends in just a couple months. So can the Democrats just play out the clock and ask for it again in the new fiscal year and, and get both of these done, whether Republicans play ball or not? You know, I have no idea, but I do think that the reason we saw Schumer schedule the the infrastructure vote this week is that people in his party, the majority of his party, and especially in the House, Democrats are chomping at the bit to get to what they see as the real spending bill. They think that this is useless. It's not doing everything they want. Republicans are dragging their feet. It's taking too long. And so I think he's trying to hurry along that process because he wants to quickly get to their bigger spending bill. And that's probably why he's putting the pressure on, even though he was told flat out they weren't going to move to debate. More on this to some extent in our crazy martini, but uh, uh, for now we need to move on and let's talk about uh, ways to stay comfortable. And you're not going to do it when the Democrats or the Republicans, honestly, are spending uh, trillions upon trillions of dollars. But uh, if you need to relax and at a very good price, my pillow is the way to go. And uh, right now we're focusing on the awesome my pillow six piece towel set. I have had the chance to use the six piece towel set extensively. I love the washcloths, I love the hand towels, and I really love uh, the bath sheets. Uh, They're big, they're fluffy, they're soft, and they dry you off super, super quickly, and there's nothing that beats the feel of a luxurious towel right when you get out of the shower. And so right now, you not only get a great product, you get it at a phenomenal discount. Right now, you can get this six-piece towel set from MyPillow regularly, $109.99, but right now, you can get it for only $39.99. The six-piece towel set comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and a washcloth two-pack. The set is made from proprietary technology that makes them highly absorbent, and it's soft to the touch without any weird lotion-y feel. The towels are made with cotton that's grown right here in the USA, and the sets are available in a variety of colors and sizes. All the towels are machine washable, and the set comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. So don't miss out on this deal. Visit MyPillow.com, use the promo code MARTINI at checkout, or call 800-874-0104. The MyPillow six-piece towel set for only $39.99. Now, while you're there, you'll, of course, want to take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets and MyPillow premium pillows. MyPillow.com or call 800-874-0104. All right, Alexandra, your lead item in the morning jolt today dealt with uh, yesterday's chaos up on Capitol Hill, which, of course, is related to the chaos on Capitol Hill from January 6th. Uh, This uh, commission uh, of of congressional members uh, has been established. And uh, earlier this week, the House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy, announced, I think it was the five members that he wanted to uh, put on this committee. 
And yesterday, Nancy Pelosi said no to two of them, which as House Speaker, she has the right to do. But uh, that, of course, creates a lot of uh, accusations of political meddling, which in this case, I believe are accurate. It's Jim Banks of uh, Indiana, Jim Jordan of Ohio, that she refused to seat on this committee. And so in response, Kevin McCarthy uh, pulled all Republican members from the committee. Now, Nancy Pelosi had already put Republican Liz Cheney on her side of the dais. And now as a result of what we saw yesterday from the Republicans, she's going to put Adam Kinzinger on this committee as well. And I don't think there are any two Republicans in the House who are more outspoken in their uh, level of uh, how much they detest President Trump than Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. So uh, while there are two Republicans, there, there isn't going to be a, a great diversity necessarily of analysis here. So, uh, Alexandra, we already had the uh, independent uh, January 6th commission scuttled, didn't get through the Senate. Now this is the backup plan, and now there are there are a couple of Republicans on there, I guess, but uh, not uh, members that most Republicans are going to want on there. So uh, where does this take us now with this committee? Is it purely a partisan exercise, or is it something else? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point it's pretty obvious that this is just going to be a Democratic process. I guess you can put a couple these two Republicans you mentioned on there, but uh, neither of them is especially conservative, and they might you know have some insights to offer that are, that are fine. Um, but they're not really going to bring the sort of the balance to the committee that they were supposed to be by having these five Republicans on there. And from my perspective, if you're Pelosi, yeah, there's kind of a cost to you of having Republicans on the committee who you don't agree with. Um, but if you're going to let if you're going to have a, a bipartisan committee on this type of thing at all, and if you're going to let the House Minority Leader appoint people to the committee, you let the House Minority pe- Leader appoint people to the committee, right? You don't then pick and choose among them. If you want to pick the Republicans, you pick the Republicans. Let's not pretend it's bipartisan and pretend you're cooperating with Republican leadership and letting him pick the people he wants on the committee only to say, actually, just kidding, you can't have those ones, right? That's obviously not a bipartisan project. It's a Nancy Pelosi project where she just asks Republicans to help here and there as she agrees with what they want to do. Um, And I think it's giving cover to Republicans who already were saying this was going to be or were afraid this was going to be a partisan project. Um, It now very obviously is one now that she's dismissed a couple of Republicans and honestly not really given much of a reason. Right. Uh, The two members that she dismissed, Banks and Jordan, um, both voted not to certify the election results. But so did one of the other members that uh, that McCarthy had appointed and she let him stay. So it's not clear at all what the reasoning was here. She didn't really bother to offer any. Uh, And even Democrats are mad at her because she's giving cover to Republicans who now are going to claim that this is just a a partisan project. Yeah, this is not well thought out on her part, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised by that because she's a purely political animal. We've seen that for for years and years. But I mean, Democrats would chair the committee, right? I mean, so they would have the subpoena power. They would essentially control the process. Yes, Republicans would be able to, uh, you know, make accusations or, or, or put witnesses in, in awkward positions and so forth. But ultimately, uh, the majority is in charge of the report. And so she'd probably still get what she wanted. Republicans would come out with their competing report, which is what's going to happen anyway on a separate track. So I'm not sure what she's actually accomplishing here other than uh, basically blowing up the idea that this is a uh, legitimate process. Right. I think it's very silly politically, because if you're Pelosi, I mean, ostensibly everyone's goal here is to figure out what happened with the riot and assign blame appropriately and so on. But if you're Pelosi thinking about this politically, your goal is to make it seem as though you've done something uh, kind of neutral and fair and then, you know, get the outcome that you think is true and, you know, declare it to the American people and it makes Republicans and Trump look bad and so on and so forth. Uh, But you can't actually do that if you've just kind of jettisoned all the Republicans who might have a contrary point of view from the panel. And my thinking is, I mean, it's not as though the the other three Republicans that McCarthy appointed are squishes on this or something. 
Um, but I think Banks and Jordan are probably or probably would have been the most outspoken on the panel, the most likely to counter different arguments that Democrats tried to make, the most likely to be antagonistic at hearings, things like that. And so maybe her goal is to try and get people out of the room who are going to cause a problem for the narrative she was trying to construct. But at that point, are you know, are you actually just pushing forward Democratic talking points under the guise of a neutral panel? And if so, the people who are helping you make it look like it's neutral are now gone and you got what you deserved. Yes. Terrible move. But par for the course for Nancy Pelosi, because partisanship is, uh, I think, at the very top of her agenda here. So uh, let's let's leave that alone for a minute. We'll get to back to Joe Biden and our crazy martini. But in the meantime, uh, let's talk about the privacy that you think you have and you actually don't have when it comes to the more usual email services. These so-called free email services like Gmail and Yahoo, they're not really free. I mean, you don't cut them a check every month, but you do pay with your privacy because they use the the information they know where you search and all of a sudden they they get that off to to advertisers and magically what you just uh, searched for for buying a gift for someone ends up on your sidebar somewhere uh and since those companies do have access to every email you send and, and receive big tech can sell your data to the highest bidder we see reports all the time of uh of breaches uh not only from the big data companies but also you know, credit uh, rating services, the government has been breached. I mean, a lot of this stuff is very difficult to protect. And so we need to be careful. We need to be concerned about this email surveillance. And companies, regardless of whether or not they provide your Internet, shouldn't be able to uh, target people with intrusive ads uh, because this opens you up to all sorts of problems, including phishing and identity theft and hacking and, and everything else. So that's why there's a new option now, Start Mail, to secure your email it will help make you feel safe again. Startmail, first of all, keeps your email private, period. Every email is encrypted, even if the recipient doesn't use encryption. That means big tech can't read, scan, analyze, or sell your personal information, ever. Not even Big Brother can snoop around your email. Startmail also prevents government agencies from spying on you, like in dragnet operations. With Startmail, deleted means deleted. When you delete an email, it's gone forever. And Startmail uses their own servers, not Amazon's, which means they can't be put out of business like Parler was. Startmail is also backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. You get unlimited anonymous aliases, a feature that protects your main email address from spam and phishing attacks. So when you're giving your email to a company, but you still want to protect your identity, Startmail can generate a shareable alias email so people can't sell your information and they can be deleted anytime. So if you don't trust big tech and there's a lot of reasons not to start securing your email privacy with Startmail, sign up today and you'll get 50% off your first year. Yeah, 50%. Go to startmail.com slash martini. That's startmail with a T, S-T-A-R-T, mail.com slash martini for 50% off your first year. Startmail.com slash martini. All right, Alexandra, we promised to get back to Joe Biden, and here we go. He was on a CNN town hall in Ohio last night, hosted by Don Lemon, who Joe Biden praised for being upfront and, and a great journalist. So you know that this was uh, on the up and up from the get-go. Uh, it was pretty obvious from most of the questions in the audience that it was a heavily Democratic audience with people whining about, why do we still have a filibuster and, you know, uh, really balanced topics like that. But there are three different areas we're going to focus on here about Biden responses. Uh, first of all, the things that aren't true. Uh, number one, going back to our first martini, his claim that spending trillions and trillions more is actually going to help our inflation problem. You're pumping all of this money into the 
economy. Couldn't that add to... No, the, the, look, here's the deal. Moody's today, when our Wall Street firm, not some liberal think tank, said if we pass the other two things I'm trying to get done, we will, in fact, reduce inflation. Reduce inflation. Reduce inflation. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work like that. Then there was the issue of uh, gun violence and uh, his appraisal of where the crime rates currently stand is certainly a head scratcher. And he's uh, talking about actually doing away with certain handguns. Whether he meant to say that, who knows, but it is what he said. Actually, crime is down. Gun violence and murder rates are up. Guns. I'm the only guy that ever got passed legislation when I was a senator to make sure we eliminated assault weapons. The idea you need a weapon that can have the ability to fire 20, 30, 40, 50, 120 shots from that weapon, whether it's a, whether it's a 9 millimeter pistol or whether it's a rifle, is ridiculous. I'm continuing to push to eliminate the sale of those things. And finally, he was talking about vaccines, and I think about uh, getting the vaccines fully approved and eventually into kids is what he wants to do. But, uh, Alexandra, if you can translate this, you're better than me. And the question (laughs) is whether or not we should be in a position where you uh, um, are, why can't the, the, the experts say, we know that this virus is, in fact, uh, um, uh, is, is, is going to be, uh, or excuse me, we, we, we know why all the drugs approved are not temporarily approved, but permanently approved. Yeah. Okay, a lot to dig through there. Well, where do you want to start? Oh, man, I, I, I think probably the infrastructure is uh, the highlight. They're all pretty bad. I, I couldn't really find much of an answer on anything he was asked yesterday that was either uh, but sorry, I should say both coherent and true, right? When <laughs> the times that he managed to be coherent, he was saying things that are definitely not factual. And the times that he was saying who knows what, I mean, I, I don't even know enough about the vaccine comment of what he was trying to say to know if it was true. I know he was criticized. I was reading this morning, one of CNN's public health analysts, Dr. Lena Wen, who some listeners might remember was the former and brief president of Planned Parenthood um, a couple years back, was angry with Biden and, you know, saying it, he's actually set us back because he's been saying things, he said things in the town hall about the vaccine that aren't true. Um, so even when he did manage to be coherent on that subject, it wasn't true. But I think the infrastructure point is the most important. Republicans are cooperating uh, with Democrats on this. And the president's out here claiming just false things about what its effects will be, right? And that's seriously a problem. And Republicans have not grappled with that. They haven't explained why they think, you know, it'll be okay, why they don't, they're not worried about inflation, why they're not worried about increased spending. They're just kind of going along and working with people as the president's out here saying things like this. And what about the guns, Uh, the crime rates and and that sort of thing? I mean, cities are absolutely in turmoil, many of them right now with uh, violence and and crime on the rise. And uh, his only answer, of course, is the same answer Democrats always give, banning the guns. Yeah, this is something I find happens a lot with Democrats when it comes to problems, the root of which is a a cultural issue, right? First and foremost, we're seeing a rise in crime across the country for all sorts of obviously very complicated reasons. Uh, But basically, none of them has to do with the types of guns that people are getting, right? None of it is, it's not even a a rise in in gun violence. Um, There's so many types of crime specs that have nothing to do with guns that we can point to. And so the fact that that's what he falls back on, this is what Democrats always fall back on because it's something the government can control. Their answer is 
government. Their response to a cultural problem is, well, we'll just have more government or we'll spend more or we'll take things away from people or we'll ban this type of gun uh, because they don't have any other answer. They're not willing to kind of explore the cultural reasons behind why these things might be happening. Uh, the pandemic, for example, people being locked up at home for so long, the racial unrest. Uh, they don't want to point the finger at those sorts of things. And they want to say, hey, I can solve it. And so the solution is, oh, we're the government. And we'll just take away different types of guns as if that's what's causing the problem. And very obviously it's not. Yeah, clearly, clearly. As far as the incoherence, you got to be a little bit careful talking about this. I mean, I've certainly done interviews and had a question in mind. And then once the, the, the guest finished speaking, I forgot what question I was going to ask because I didn't have it scripted in front of me necessarily. Uh, but in a situation like this, it's clear that he forgot what he wanted to say. And then at the very last minute, he kind of remembered what he wanted to say. We're not going to diagnose him here, but what do you make of the fact that the media just pretends this doesn't happen? Yeah, I find it a little bit concerning. I mean, I don't think we need to, people are more than willing to do armchair diagnosing of all kinds when Trump was president. Um, they won't do it for Biden. I think it was foolish for the media to be doing that for Trump. So I'm not out here saying they ought to be doing the same thing now that Biden's president. Uh, but the double standard is very obvious. And I do think that the fact that the president can't do a, a town hall for a couple of hours um, without giving several answers that make you know no sense at all about very basic questions is a little bit concerning. Yeah. And very just very different than he was you know, in the Senate and even in the early days as vice president. So uh, interesting to watch. Interesting to watch. Alexandra, always great to have you. Thanks for being here today. And we'll talk again soon. Great to join you, Greg. Alexander DeSanctis Mar of uh, National Review and for Jim Garrity, who's on vacation this week. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends as well. Uh, we're very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. They're a big help, so please keep them coming. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow all of us on Twitter. You know about at Jim Garrity. She is at Zan underscore DeSanctus. That's X-A-N underscore DeSanctus. And I am at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Thursday. And please join us Friday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit DanaRadio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.